Hey there, listener folks. Welcome back to another episode. Here's some news for you before we get into this lovely episode of Random Encounter. First of all, we have the latest entry in crowdfunding chronicles. Tina Ola has been writing about Halomento, which looks awesome. Campaign just wrapped up on that one, but go check that one out anyways, because when it comes out, I mean, I'm going to want it. It's Zelda meets Terra Enigma, so it's got that Soul Blazer action in there. It's got action RPG elements that look rad. It's got a cool style. I don't know. This game is right up my alley. I've been wanting something else like Soul Blazer for the longest time, so it's probably going to be a must-buy for me when it comes out. Uh, in the last episode when I did the news drop, just the way things kind of were staggered out, I missed a couple of uh, reviews on there, with, like a dope. Um, Keelan Argeros, who's on the episode today, did a review of Yakuza Like a Dragon on PC and gave it RPG Fan Editor's Choice. It's This game just seems rad and there's no place that it apparently is bad to play. A review that I'm bummed I missed uh, reporting on was Nikki Fukuri's review of the latest Story of Seasons game, Pioneers of Olive Town, which I'm super eager to hear about, and it's a great review. Um, overall, it seems like it was a good above-average game for Nikki. Just some stuff that feels like could have used more of an upgrade, whereas other stuff just it was, you know, par for the course. Anyways, go check out the review. And the other one I missed was Dom Kim's look at uh, the Monster Hunter World Iceborne DLC on the PC. That again, uh, you gave RPG fan editors choice. I reviewed it on PS4. It's it's great content for more of the same. If you uh, really liked uh, the original, then you're gonna like this added. It's it's basically a sequel to Monster Hunter World Iceborne more than it is DLC. Uh, so go check out the review and see how it handles on PC. And now on to the reviews that came out since our last episode aired. Nathan Lee's very last review with RPG Fan. Uh, he fittingly looked at Neptunia Virtual Stars, and it was kind of an incompetent letdown <laughs> and a bit bland, but still, it's just fitting that Nathan would have gone out on a Neptunia note, so go give his final review a read, and uh, thanks Nathan. Thanks for being a great guest on the podcast, thanks for everything you've done for RPG Fan over the years. Uh, we will miss you being around the site, my friend. Then we just have a bunch of reviews from Bob Richardson, the first of which is Curse of the Dead Gods, which overall seems like a pretty strong game. It can wear out as welcome, at least from Bob's point of view, but maybe you'll like it if you uh, get into it and find more to love in that story. Sticking with the grim theme, Evil Inside on the Xbox One was another one that uh, Bob looked at and kind of just, uh, you know, leaves you wanting for, uh, I guess, PT in a lot of ways. Uh, it is, is not good, but, you know, it, it does the, I guess, the spooky stuff well. Then we have The Life and Suffering of Sir Bronte, keeping it nice and positive with all the games that Bob's been playing. No wonder it's taken him a while to get through them all, because I'm sure it was uh, a depressing slog given the material. <laughs> Bob, you're a trooper for us. Uh, again, another great game, uh, it seems, and uh, the presentation of this game is really stunning, and I'm sure, and it's, yeah, it's got a cool story. Uh, it It's definitely worth checking out if you are uh, a big fan of, you know, a grim dark story and like um, an interactive uh, like visual novel, that sort of thing. And then finally, his last review is a piece of DLC that dropped from Monster Train. The last Divinity DLC uh, is, uh, again, more of the same. It's nothing that uh, really adds to the experience in terms of like changing up the world or the mechanics or anything else, but it's just more, more decks, more cards, more things to get to the bosses. It's, uh, yeah, if you, if you really liked Monster Train, then jump on this train. And that's it. Off we go to episode 212 of RPG Fans Random Encounter.
Listeners, hi, we're back for another episode of Random Encounter. We're at number 212 now, and I am your host, as per usual, Greg Delmage. Today I'm joined by some lovely folks, um, one we haven't seen for quite a while, actually. But uh, before we get to them, let's get to my regular co-host, John O'Logan. Happy middle of April, Greg. Happy middle of April to all of us. Uh, by that, I guess when this goes live, uh, should be, <laughs> if all goes on time, the day after my birthday, and I'll be older then. Oh. So, uh, if you're how, hearing this, I should be 37 now. 37. Yep. Oof. Getting old. Getting there. Yeah. Way older than me. I don't turn 37 till July. Uh, you know, I have an embarrassing good. story about that. <laughs> about about my 37? <laughs> yes. So, for some reason, I thought that I was turning 37 this year, but I'm not. I'm turning 36. Oh. But it's... <laughs> Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I My only excuse is that time has, like, gone out of whack this past year with the pandemic. And for mm. some reason, I think it felt like it was longer than it really was. So I was like, oh, God, I'm turning 37. That sucks. But wait, no, 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 no. Math, 2021. I was born in 85. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Yeah. No. Um, What's funny is I younger. think I actually did that last year. I feel like when, because again, I was like, I didn't really pay attention to my birthday. It's like, yeah, it's pandemic, whatever. And I think I did that too. I think I was like, I'm 37. And I was like, no, you're 36. Like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I, you all want to skip 36, apparently? I don't know. You That's instantly funny. feel a little better and a little worse because it's like, oh, I'm not that old, but I'm <laughs> still an old. idiot and I can't do math. <laughs> On my own birthday? My brain's going. That's how old I'm getting. Maybe I'm um, getting older faster than I think. <laughs> but that's Caitlin Argyros. We haven't had in the podcast in a while. That's one of our lovely guests today. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, guys. Thank you for Good to be back. embarrassing aging stories, uh, which we all have, I'm sure. Uh, and who I feel is not as old as us uh, is returning to the podcast, Abe Kobolansky. <laughs> Actually, I'm the first to 37 here, I guess. Uh, you beat oh, you're 30. Just 37. Yeah. Well, there we go. Then I stand corrected. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've got we've got old panel, <laughs> yeah. which I don't know. Some of these, there's game anniversaries and stuff coming up these days now that I'm just like, oof. <laughs> yeah. It's like Mario's 35. I'm like, oh gosh. No, it's good. It means that it means that we were all active in like the days of SNES RPGs, like when we played amazing games like Final Fantasy VI or Chrono Trigger, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're just baiting at that point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so not rude. baiting anybody. So good. <laughs> Although speaking of aging, uh, my embarrassing story is now that like getting into a new routine with a new job and such. I'm working where uh, where John works part of time too, doing copywriting and such. Um, and our editor in chief, Mike Silbato, works there, and Tyler Trosper works there as well now too. It's just RPG fans taking it over slowly but surely. And I'm trying to fit into the routine, like, okay, I need to get back into shape and stuff in case I finally get some auditions and things again. But, boy, my body has been like, you've been sitting a while, man. <laughs> like, everything's, I can keep up, like, running-wise, but my lungs just, like, burn. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> I am feeling that 37 that's on the horizon here. <laughs> I understand. I've decided every single day now I'm going for a, a nice long walk to listen to a podcast because I did almost no exercise over uh winter and it's been uh it's I, I have to be consciously aware that i get all of my writing and all of my work done before i go for the walk because when i get back i'm just going to be like and eh, gonna sit down now for quite some time <laughs> yeah exactly now that i'm not like cycling to work or working as a server running around a restaurant it's like what do i do again <laughs> it's amazing how many calories you burn just standing hmm, that's fair 
need to get a Not enough, desk. though. <laughs> Apparently. I wish I could do that, but I feel like my feet would kill me after, like, just an hour or two. <laughs> Caitlin, I can't remember, did you get uh, Ring Fit? I, I did. You did, okay. How was and that? It's, uh, it's fun. Like, you know, they do a good job of, uh, you know, giving you a bare-bones story and, and uh, having you go through stages and, and making sure that you are challenged to do different exercises while still letting you, like, choose a little bit of what, what you want to do um i i do brisk walking i try to walk like an hour or more every day um and that's my main mode of exercise so the ring fits more of like a thing i do if uh uh if the weather is really bad and i can't go outside or um i had a couple of uh, injuries last year that kept me from yeah. walking so i used yeah. that to supplement it's good i mean like i think if i could be f- more motivated to do it every day or every other day or something like that, it would be more uh, helpful for my exercise routine. Um, as it stands, I don't use it enough to to feel like I get a, a lot of benefit from it, but that's more on me than the game. So I suppose. Yeah. I also try and take those small victories though, where you're just like, I also could have not done this. Yeah. But I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like a couple of years ago when I, like I, my injuries were, I, I sprained my, my ankle. And then as soon as that recovered, I broke a toe. So I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember the toe out one. of action for a couple of weeks and then out of action for like a month. And a couple of years ago, I probably would have just said, okay, I'm just going to be sitting around all day and not get any exercise. But you know, not, not with Ring Fit. At least I had that thing staring at me saying, okay, you have this thing you could do to exercise at home. You should do it. <laughs> and you have this awkward ring thing taking up real estate, so you may as well use it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It goes in a cupboard when I don't need it. Because it's... <laughs> Just like... <clears throat> in. How would I... How, yeah. Like, how, imagine explaining that to, like, you know, if a neighbor comes over or your parents are like, well, what is that thing? And I'm like, uh, it's for a video game. And they're like... I, they might think like, oh, like a racing video game. I'm like, no. <laughs> Forklift simulator with big giant. Yeah. It's for Shenmue. Um, and it makes me think too that you have it parked next to like the, that historic, like the, the tank game that had like the humongous peripheral that I'm blanking the name of. Iron. Oh, shoot. Battalion, maybe? Iron, yeah, there it is. Something like that. Steel Battalion? Yeah. Steel Battalion. There we go. Yeah. Got there. Oh, no. Yeah, with its humongous, you've got like that, and then your ring fit, the Zelda crossbow game, Wii controller, like just all the dumb Entire, <laughs> entire, wow. uh, entire, uh, uh, what's it? What was, what was, it was, it wasn't Guitar Hero, it was the like complete oh, rock set. Band. Rock band. band. Yeah. The entire oh, yeah. rock band ensemble. Yeah. Ours hides behind our TV. Yeah. We have it for the odd occasion. I never got that. I never got into that, and probably for the best. <laughs> I don't have enough storage in my place oh, to, yeah. to put that away. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. I got a landlord to complain about me uh, playing uh, Rock Band one time, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crazy kids and your music. It's like, like, can't you play the drums during the daytime? You'd think mm. he'd be grateful that you weren't know. actually playing like real drums, because I would imagine they'd be a lot louder than... The rock band set, Definitely. right? That that was what I thought. I, that's that's why I got them. I'm, but still, I guess, <laughs> I'm, like, a, I'm a drummer in my background, and I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna throw my drums up in an apartment and bug the neighbors. I thought <laughs> I thought I was doing the nice thing. When I was doing a contract many many years ago in Halifax, 
Uh, I rented this. I just rented a place. It was just a single room full of boxes, but hey, it worked. And I had a roommate and seemed like a really nice guy. I met him the first day. And the second day I get back from rehearsal and he meets me at the door. He's like, Jono, I just got, this is so awesome, man. A friend of mine was throwing out his drums and he gave them to me for free. I'm going to learn how to play drums. So awesome. And I was like, oh, no. oh, that is, that is good news. That's just what I need to, after, after seven hours of rehearsing Peter Pan, what I really need to hear is someone learning how to play the drums. I'm so sorry. I always wish they'd made better use of those rock band and guitar hero peripherals. Like they were just such a one shot item. Like obviously you could use it for like the extended games, but like, I really wish other developers had like taken on it or something like i was like it'd be really cool to have like an rpg where you're a bard and you have to like sing to battle like how good you do in the That's in the singing up, yeah. like with because it has like you know it tracks it and everything it'd be really cool that can be how your damage is done i don't know i just thought there was opportunities that people didn't really explore i would kill at a game like that if you ask me what they the yakuza developers missed a trick when they didn't release like mm. rock band yakuza and just take yeah! all the karaoke from all the games that'd be incredible they make rock band me. versions of it or Dance Dance Yakuza. I think there's actually a dance... Is there, is there a mini game in... I can't remember. I think there might be a mini game about that and it's somewhere in the in the 19 entries in the series. You get your Xbox Kinect out and you can do dance along to yeah. the idle sequences. Maybe the disco mini game in Zero would be easier that way. I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. You do not like that mini game. I don't. I don't. I'm not even like... I can't imagine like a colorblind person trying to do that mini game because it's hard enough for me to parse on the harder difficulties like where I'm actually supposed to go. Overlapping colors in quick succession is not a good idea. I don't know. I don't know if you've uh, talked about it, Jonah. Oh, the disco mini game. Yeah, uh, I'm sh- I'm sure you've seen the meme with uh, it's a it's Friday night and it has the it has uh, Majima and Kiryu doing like a strut on the dance floor. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's that, and it's it's like a mixture of a rhythm game, and it looks like a tic tac toe board, and you need to move your cursor around to the right space, hit the right button at the right time, um, and it's it's actually really friggin' challenging. It's a hard, hard mini game, probably the hardest rhythm mini game <laughs> in the series. Yeah. But it at is. At least it has good music. So. That's I good. mean, they all have good music. That's true. Well, yeah. aside from uh, mini games and fitness, uh, I suppose we could talk about RPGs, though, eh? It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of what we're here for, I guess. Yeah, why not? I yeah, guess maybe. Let's get, crazy. let's get crazy. Just kidding. This is our very belated April Fools for Random Encounter. No, uh, we Woo-hoo. do have some fun stuff to talk about. Um, speaking of April Fools, actually, uh, on April first, Outriders came out. That was uh, that fun new game being published by Square Enix, uh, though not developed by them. Uh, that one comes to us from people who f- can fly. People can fly. Yeah. And uh, Abe, you've been playing that for us. You've gone through it all. Uh, what's Where's that land? I'm, did you try it out? I think you did the preview of it or tried to demo it something back around E3 last year. Was it, or who was that? Was that you? I can't uh, remember. I was not on board for E3 no, Okay, maybe you weren't yet. Okay. <laughs> Someone had, uh, I thought it was you, but no, that's right. You only, that's right. You've only been here for a couple months. Either way, I remember we gave it a try and it was looking neat. But uh, yeah, how's it how's it shaping up? It's it's okay. Um, there's uh, some issues online uh, 
with the uh, online connectivity, I know. Uh, I know there's been uh, right. We've been hearing about those inventory wipes. Um, I've seen online. I personally didn't experience any of that, thankfully. Um, but anyway, uh, Outriders is a, a third-person shooter, and the with you get some special abilities with it too, which are off the charts awesome. So, since we're all children of the '90s, um, as we as we have established. There's there's one power you get where you can you can stop bullets with your hand. <laughs> it's uh, pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, and then you shoot the bullets back at uh, at, to the, at the enemies. It's very neo of you. Is the third person elements? Is it like um, like with people who've played Mass Effect and such? Does it handle like that? Yeah, um, I I actually thought Mass Effect was a pretty close comparison. Um, oh, okay, it's kind of uh, the the story anyway is kind of a Mass Effect light sort of thing oh interesting yeah it's so you don't you know like in mass effect when you'd get into conversations you'd have the the conversation wheel right um you do have conversation options here but it's it's not like branching conversation options there's no there's no big player choice or anything like that which actually feels a little weird uh to play something like that after playing mass effect and and other bioware games for so long well, yeah, it almost feels like what's the point of having it then if it doesn't really add much agency to the story for the player? Yeah, um, and then the problem with that is that uh, your your character is kind of a dumbass, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know the the character actually kind of undermines the story. Um, oh, weird. Well, and there's a couple different characters, or do you just get to pick one? Like, how does? So the weird thing is, you also get to create your character. Uh, okay, you just don't get to control anything that they do narratively. Gotcha. So oh. you're just um, just like a model going through dumbassery, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your character is kind of a shoot first, uh, don't ask questions later, because uh, there's no one to ask questions to. Who's got time for that? <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to just uh, trash the game. No, of course, <laughs> um, but it's still valid to know. So the one interesting thing was that the... Uh, I, the main quest, the main story is just kind of, it's just kind of okay. Um, the side quests though are excellent. Uh, if you, if you play the game, you got to play all the side quests because there's some great, there's just some great uh, narrative stuff in there. Um, a lot of the uh, stories you'll start up, uh, feel a little bit familiar. Um, but they generally tend to subvert your expectations by the end of them. Oh, that's good. Um, so for instance, there's this one where you get, uh, you're at your base camp and you get a, a call on the radio saying that this guy's surrounded by monsters and he needs help. Uh, so you go and uh, you go and check out the call and it turns out he's he's stuck in an outhouse and he's <laughs> surrounded in the, the outhouse by these monsters and you have to you have to get rid of the monsters to get him to come out. <laughs> Very uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like that's they're definitely setting up for that a little bit, and so. Uh, yeah, because there's multiple characters in you, but you create your own character. Like, is it um, like a full-on like create character creator, or is it more like you pick one of the options? Are there different so, classes? Uh, the classes, yeah, the classes are kind of the the real meat of the the creation there. Okay, um, they are they are they're pretty different. Um, the uh, the actual appearance creator, I think, is really just there because of the game's heavy uh, online component, heavy uh, oh, okay. multiplayer component. Um, so you can 
that's kind of a simple character creator. You, you can choose faces that are pre-made and skin tones, and that's about it <laughs> in terms gotcha. of appearance. But you can choose your gender, at stuff, least, though. too. Right. But getting into the class stuff, that's where you can tweak a lot more? Or like, can you build your own class, like Oblivion, uh, Skyrim kind of style? Or is it are they preset? They're, they're, they're preset, um, and there's no no crossover between classes. Oh, okay. Uh, so you pick the class you're you're in for life. Gotcha. So if you want to no see more than one, yeah, if you want to see more than one class, you're playing more than one game. Then you gotta, yeah, you gotta create another character. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, a number of, of head scratching uh, elements in this game. So, <laughs> like, does the game it's, warrant um, like another playthrough? Like, is it diverse enough story wise with the side quests, or is like, can you really can you get everything done as one character all the way through? Like, what's the the impetus to go again? Yeah. Um, just to try another class, <laughs> you know the the game is being very heavily marketed for its uh, multiplayer uh, component, right? Um, and I think that's probably the best way to go through the game. And so if you you know if you want to play it again with some with your buddy who just picked it up, like that that would be the reason to go through again. And plus, getting to try a different class, I guess. So it's basically like trying to yeah jump back into like Diablo or Torchlight yeah. two and stuff like that, like where you're in it just to do runs. Now, does it work kind of like, um, like, are you doing runs to get, like, cool loot and stuff? Like, how does your character customization work? Is it, like, Destiny and Destiny 2 and such, where you're getting loot for, and such for first-person shooting, and or third-person Yeah, things? yeah, you get, you get tons of loot, uh, pretty much every battle you get new loot, <laughs> uh, so there's, there's tons of loot. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so they're going for the loot hack gameplay loop, then, it sounds like. They are, yeah, so it's very much, uh feels like something between like border borderlands and mass effect okay i mean like i could see that being fun yeah definitely definitely seems better with uh with more than one player you can have up to three okay and then are all three of you uh again jumping back to the idea of like diablo diablo 2 is it a complete linear storyline that all three of you can go through or is it more like there's a hub kind of like in destiny and then you kind of go out on missions uh how's that based you can do the entire thing with a uh, co-op. Um, okay. You can go back and replay missions. So, yeah. Then it's an it's a complete game with co-op or or a solo. It's pretty much the same experience either way. Gotcha. So yeah. So is there a hub then that you jump out to, or is it just you select a mission and? No, you just jump menu? in. Um, oh. Just yeah, just jump in. Um, there was, <laughs> I had my privacy settings open when I was playing, and one guy just guy just popped into my world and we started we started killing monsters <laughs> together that's that's pretty fun yeah well, that's kind of cool it felt like dark souls i was like oh no <laughs> but no he was friendly <laughs> yeah is there pvp it's, no it's completely pve oh good well that's gonna foster in a much nicer uh, community yeah, yeah so there's like monster hunter i mean especially since there's so much of an emphasis on loot uh so you don't have to worry about someone coming in overpowered you know it's you're all on the same team. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and uh, yeah, how's the matchmaking then? Uh, like, are you, do you find you're getting paired up with people who are outpowered, or you're overpowering them, or do they try to do they do a good job of matching people in the same category, so you're not just kind of tanking for somebody? Well, since they can pop in like right wherever you are, I mean, they're already on the same level uh, same environment as you are so they will be most likely at, at the same level as you okay, or, so or similar so the missions and such are kind of level gate kept 
Uh, no, I mean, by in terms of uh, where you are in, in the narrative. Oh, okay. And so usually right, you'd have to right be a in. certain part. <laughs> you'd have the, to be around that same area. You can't just like jump yeah. ahead in the story if you want to join yeah, and get right. further. But if you're yeah, further right. ahead, you can go back and join someone in the early yeah. missions. Yeah. Okay. So theoretically, you could tank for a friend if you wanted to or start the experience from scratch. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what are the different classes like? How many of them are there to choose from? Why have you, how many you have you gone back and like at least played around with a bit of them, or did you just kind of stick to one and that was it? Uh, so there's four classes. Um, okay. The uh, the one I I played through the game with was the uh, the Devastator, uh, which is uh, the tank class. I was gonna say it sounds um, heavy. Yeah. Um, I also played. I also tried the uh, the Pyromancer a little bit, which is. Uh, well, just what it sounds, setting things on fire <laughs> yeah. and then shooting them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, the the biggest difference between the classes is the special abilities, which are like they're they're <laughs> they're quite spectacular. Um, uh, In terms of like wh- how they look and perform, like just really cool animations, or just it's really fun. The, the power they give you is fun to just nuke everything. Yeah, uh, all of that, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, like, there was another power I had that was this this giant spike would come out of the ground and, and it would skewer one of your enemies. Oof. So, <laughs> it's a, a very uh, pretty dramatic stuff yeah. there. Does that sort of stuff, like, stick in the level? Does it manipulate the world? Or does it kind of go up, do its thing, and then go away? Uh, it's it's a one-shot sort oh, yeah. of thing. It's it's more the spectacle of, of uh, getting to use the the powers just because they look so uh big i guess yeah spectacular it's fun yeah um i think it it uh, it makes you feel like a superhero pretty much uh I, I think more than uh other superhero games we've had recently even though you're not a, you're not actually a superhero though you're not uh, other like games captain planet or anything square enix <laughs> that's what yeah um that's what i was thinking and so when you're in a party of three and you have different classes now um, like, it does it behoove you to try and find diverse classes? Like, is there a good synergy between the four different? Or I guess the, if you'd have at most, I guess, two other people to play with. Or do you find, like, if you had three Devastators, it really doesn't change the dynamic one way or the other? I It didn't really seem like it made much of a difference okay. you know, one way or the other. Um, some of the some of the special abilities play into uh, working better as a group. They can um, combo up a bit. Yeah, but for the most part, you you know you're shooting stuff. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You shoot, yeah. And which was kind of how Border, Borderlands played too. It's just how did you want to shoot stuff? But there was wasn't a ton of synergy, so to speak, in terms of yeah, trying to set things up. You could do a little bit of it and support each other, but mostly you're just trying to buff yourself to shoot things better. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, I think the game is best when it's uh when it's uh, full on spectacle. Um, both in terms of the uh, the gameplay and the uh, the story. So more like um, game kind of events. Well, no, like, like so, so uh, like uh, a lot of the special effects that you get with the guns are are pretty similar to stuff that you'd see in uh, other RPGs, actually. Okay. Um. So, like for instance, there's a freeze, uh, freeze effect, and there is there is one time where in, uh, one of these uh, alien monsters leapt at me, and I I shot it with the, the freeze gun, and it f- it froze in midair. <laughs> Uh, and like so stops was... inertia, <laughs> like it also yes. freezes its inertia. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. Weird, but uh, cool. I don't know how uh, physics works on this other planet, but, <laughs> but apparently hey, not very it's well. A different planet, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, I would definitely love to see games that are able to go that much further with the uh, 
<laughs> with the physics and you like freeze the enemy and you're like ha i got him oh crap and it still collides with you and takes you out just yeah. reduces the damage yeah um that's funny though and in the story it's you know it's it's at its best when it goes big and loud like a you know okay. like just like a hollywood blockbuster movie sort of thing um like at, at one point you fight a, a volcano spider <laughs> with uh, that sends uh, little spiders at you that jump at you and explode. <laughs> I don't hate it, but I also hate it. But that's also the one spider you can't kill with fire. Yeah. Do not want. So, <laughs> kill like ice. you know, yeah, it's 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 at its best when it's going big and loud. Um, so does that work for the music as well, like or is the music just kind of generic cinematic? Angles? Um. You know, it's kind of it kind of feels like it's going for a, a Mass Effect sort of thing, but uh, oh, okay, a lot of blahs. Yeah, ver- <laughs> yeah, the vari- variety isn't it's not excellent. <laughs> oh, okay, it's okay. Uh, and then uh, we were talking a bit in the pre-show prior to this. People can fly have done Bullet Storm, uh, which we thought came out a bit later in the day, but that was 2011, and that was just pure FPS, if I recall. But I do remember it came. I never played it. Nate, I think you said you hadn't either. No, I yeah, either. none of us had really. But since then, I guess it's just this. I believe they did a remake of it. Was it two years ago? Yeah, I saw that in my search too. Uh, Reloaded, I think, is what it was called or something. The Bulletstorm Duke of Switch Edition. Ah, hmm. It is a remastered version of Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking. Full Clip Edition. Which is yes, which is a remastered version of Bulletstorm. Okay. A remaster of a remaster. Yep. Wow. Which, you know, give us a decade and we'll get there. <laughs> but it's, uh, I don't know, it sounds compelling. Like, the, the part of me that loves, like, the Diablo Torchlight loot grind uh, might be compelled by this. And I don't, I'm pretty picky when it comes to my shooters that I like to get into. I've had a craving again lately. I've been playing Dreadnought online, which is very much not your conventional shooter for those who have never heard of Dreadnought. Um, it is a squad-based FPS, except you're a giant spaceship. You're a, like a, a big, giant capital ship flying through space, and then you got tactics and stuff like that. It's super cool. And uh, so I've been doing that, but I've kind of also had that hankering, like, maybe I want a COD or Halo or something. So this could be it, because I, I did like... I mean, Caitlin and I were on the the retro encounter for mass effect one and it held up okay like it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be going back to it but i know they definitely improved on the mechanics in two and three and uh yeah uh, nice to play that i mean to make another reference it's kind of kind of gears of war-ish uh you okay. do a lot of getting into cover, cover stuff and yeah cover's not mandatory but it you know <laughs> you want to be in cover if you're not if you're not running right it sounds a lot like a just a a big, dumb, sci-fi blockbuster movie, like you said. Uh, exactly, yeah. You're just going in yeah. to shoot things. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're not, yeah. You know, don't think, don't think too deeply about it. But, <laughs> gotcha. But, you know, but it's it's a blast if, uh, There's if the uh, pole you quote. got a few people. I was, I was watching uh, briefly uh, someone stream it like a week or so ago, and they mentioned something about how uh, to... To keep yourself healthy, you basically have to be really aggressive and and keep shooting the enemy. Is that is that the case? That's right. Um, it uh, the game definitely encourages aggression. Um, the only way to heal is through is by killing enemies. <laughs> There's no no healing items. Oh boy! Like you just regenerate after like through doing damage, or like every time you heal, you kind of get like power ups that heal you, kind of thing. Uh, 
you kill enemies and your hit points go up. Okay. <laughs> is there an in-game reason for that, or is it just mechanics? Just mechanics. They don't really give a reason for it. Okay, they're so all it, that, vampires. See, that's a shame yeah. because given the given the way that theoretically you got your powers, it's a shame they didn't have something like you're absorbing their yeah life force. Their or life something. force. Yeah. It just seems like a given. It's sci-fi. You okay, can literally yeah. justify anything. <laughs> I think I'll stay away. I don't really like games that force you to be like super aggressive in order to stay alive like that was yeah. my big issue with xenoblade x uh was i didn't like the way healing worked in that game because it oh. felt like i it felt like i had to be super efficient and aggressive in order to keep healing and kill the enemy before they killed me because there was barely any actual like healing abilities in that game oh interesting i think that a lot of shooter games have kind of gotten into uh where it's it kind of works to turtle uh and so, I, you know, this really pushes you to to move and uh, get out and So you find shoot. it a bit more of a refreshing change, I guess. I, I think so, yeah. Okay. That's, Doom, that's oh. just my opinion, though, yeah. Doom has a similar mechanic, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I just know that there's been some games that try and deter, like Left 4 Dead, for example, did it, where if you turtled around for too long, they'd be like, have more zombies! <laughs> <laughs> and I always liked yeah. those things where it, yeah, it stopped you from just kind of trying to clam up somewhere. But the enemies are good at flanking; they don't just let you sit in cover and and be safe. They'll they'll come up and and they'll they'll get behind you if you don't keep moving. Yep, uh, and they'll drop bombs and you know they'll, they'll flush you out of cover. Hmm, okay, so some decent AI anyway. It, it's decent, yeah. <laughs> it, it throws enough at you that it's it's a good challenge. Gotcha. Or, or if you want to put it on easy mode, you could just tear you tear through the enemies. That's that's also an option too. Because this sounds <laughs> like a game it's you kind of fun sometimes. Story. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. After I've done this, I'm gonna go read a Playboy for the article. <laughs> from what I've heard and from what you've been telling me, it seems like pri- I've actually been eager to ask you about this. It seems like this game is primarily going to be remembered for its rather liberal use of constant online connectivity. Um, has that impacted your, uh, experience with the game at all? Cause I know there's like, you mentioned it earlier, but I know there's some people who have had some real nightmares of experience with this thing. Yeah. So I got online to play on, uh, the release date and, um, I had like a couple hours before work and I hopped on and it said, you know, server can't connect, uh, look online server is down. <laughs> um, Oof, and that's just probably overload from the initial launch day. Probably. Um, so I I sat there and played uh, uh, Dark Souls, which also has an online component, but also you don't have to be connected online <laughs> to play it. Uh, so, I, you know, there's a solo... Even if you play solo, you have to be connected online. Um, and yeah, that I seems strange. Don't really see the point of that. <laughs> but I feel like that was the same for when I did Torchlight 3. It had the same thing. There's no connectivity issues, thankfully, because it's still kind of in beta or whatever, so it's not like it's, the servers are overloaded, but like I get that they're trying to keep it online and curate an experience. Like uh, like Anthem was like that too, wasn't it, Caitlin? I mean, yeah. you could conceivably go through it by yourself, but you had to always be online because they always had online events and stuff they could throw at you at any moment kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And is that... Is it justified through that? Like that just there's online server based things that they can just throw at your gameplay, even your play if you're playing by yourself, or is it just they want that connectivity so players can come and go in your game at all times? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's mostly for the matchmaking. I, I, like they huh. haven't really announced any sort of uh, yeah, any sort of uh, timed raids or anything like that. Right. It's it's yeah. <laughs> if you're playing by yourself, you're playing by yourself. <laughs> but you won't be playing by yourself always. Because is there a way to turn off that people can? You can in? turn off the privacy. Yeah, I, I had oh, okay. my privacy settings open when I <laughs> when someone jumped into my world. <laughs> okay, so people can still. Yeah, if they want to have that solo experience. You can, but it's just. It's but just you still have, have to, be, to be online. You still have to sign in. You still have to log in. They try this every few. Not not specifically people can fly, but like developers try this every few years where they. I think they're, I keep I think they just keep testing the waters to see how open people are going to be to uh, persistent online connectivity, even if you do not should not need it to play the game. Like I, Diablo three is, you know the, it's it's lasting infamy was on day one you needed to be constantly connected even if you were just playing by yourself, um, and then that there was a oh, lot yeah, of con- about that. yeah there was a lot of controversy about that, um, partially because just just like Outriders everyone logged in at the same time to play it on the first day and was greeted by a lot of error messages. But that, you know, it, that eventually does settle down and, you know, eventually you can play the game uh, as they fix the servers and as it gets more stable. But the the line you constantly hear is, no, 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 this has nothing to do with uh, with uh, digital rights management. This is all uh, this is all to do with the, we, we curate the online experience and we, I think it's horrible. <laughs> I think they're trying to. I think they're trying to get a constant connectivity to minimize, uh, to minimize piracy, to try to control the nature of their game. And I think that with the rise of World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV, other games like this, with constant online connectivity, because they are online games, some game companies think they can get away with it, even though they don't need to. They don't need to get away with it. And it sounds like they're trying to test the waters again with this one. And it seems like once again, people are like, why are you doing this? This is unnecessary. And they're getting don't roasted do for this it. to us. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> all of that. <laughs> yeah. In my mind, if you try this, you're going to screw up launch day and you're going to get at least a week and a half of really critical articles from out from media outlets talking about people who like lose their connection in the middle of the game and lose like 60 hours of playtime and stuff like that lose their cool loot apparently yeah yeah you know it's just gonna happen well you know the thing is about having the first day issues is that i mean everyone's buying this stuff digitally now uh you know the the companies know how many people are going to be online (laughs) uh it seems like they were underprepared yeah, like they just uh, didn't do the stress test or and something. And it seems like, it doesn't seem like, I mean, it seems like they should have been prepared for it. Um, it almost felt to me like they underexpected how many people would actually be pay- playing the game. People, people uh, want to play which, a product? What? <laughs> that it's There's just a few things in, you know, with, with the rollout of this game that make me wonder how committed they are to it, honestly. It's weird. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, as we before we move on with the conversation, I wanted to ask. I don't know if we've heard any announcements about uh, possible DLC and such. Um, but do you see them like adding more classes or uh, exp- adding other story areas or regions or something like that? What do you? What would you like to see from DLC? Uh, well, People Can Fly has said that they are probably going to do a DLC, but they don't have any concrete plans yet. Um, What's on your wish the, list? Uh, with the main story being kind of... It, it felt like it ended, ended a bit abruptly. Uh, I would like to see them continue it. Um, 
but also like i said the uh, the side quests were uh very well written and um you know if they just throw in more of those like i'd be i'd be happy if <laughs> if they're uh, at the same level of quality nice um you know more classes might be interesting uh i don't know um and they'll most likely be more loot and yada yada yeah 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 <laughs> um the the one thing is uh all the battles kind of start to feel the same after a while i i would like to see them evolve that a little bit more um they're you know you fight a couple like massive bosses uh but it's only like you know two or three yeah uh you'd like to see them try more of that like going back to the talking about the the spectacle of the game it's it's what it does best a few more set pieces pieces would be bad yeah 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 well also yeah there you go (laughs) no thanks for sharing and i'm looking forward to seeing your your final thoughts on the review and such and it's yeah depending on where it lands for people it might be something i might want to pick up in the future to to play with some friends or something it could jive to to scratch that random uh weird random human need to be like let's just shoot things in video games (laughs) <laughs> yep. Uh, for people who have uh, Xbox Game Pass, I know it's on there. So, oh yeah, there's no reason not to check it out. There we go, uh, Caitlin. Over to you, because mm. the very next day uh, we got a little dreamy Wonder Game on Apple Arcade that uh, a lot of people have been kind of pining for because it looks so delightful and unique. Uh, Mistwalker has given us. Uh, I think we all settled on Fantasian for the name. Um, yeah. yeah. How yeah. how's that magical experience been? Uh I'm in love with this game. Like I can't I'm you. I'm kind of like I'm 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 trying to be objective of course cuz you know gotta gotta be objective but I really really like it so far. <laughs> I haven't I haven't finished part 1 yet. Um I I want to say I'm like well over halfway through part 1 but I don't know um it's hard to tell because I think in part because it's a, a mobile uh, Apple Arcade game right now. Um, there hasn't really been a lot of uh, movement on discussions as like people asking how far am I or what's this and this. So I I'm tr- I don't really know There's how no much how more I have to go. Yeah, we, well, they say uh, uh, Miss Walker. They said that they, that it would take about twenty to thirty hours. Um, a lot of people were clocking in under that. I of course take forever to play games. I'm already over 30 hours, but I I'm slow. Like I take my time and it's even more so with this game because I literally have spent like a lot of time just staring at the the backgrounds and just in awe and 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 kind of ooing and aahing over the uh, the diorama backgrounds that they've done for this game because that's if there's anything that you've probably known or heard about this game uh, when it was announced before it came out it's probably that really unique all the backgrounds are actual real dioramas that they made and then photographed uh, to sort of uh, harken back to the pre-rendered backgrounds of classic. Uh, PS1 um so neat. Final Fantasy games but they're 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 real they're dioramas and there's some of them are so gorgeous and then super cute with all the little details like a bar has a bunch of glasses and you'll have uh bedrooms that have uh carpets and little bookshelves and a kitchenettes and things like that you're just waiting for someone it's... to set like a hamster loose in it and be like look he thinks he's people <laughs> Yeah, so 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm actually kind of sad that it's only part one. Part two is going to come out sometime later this year, but we don't really have a time frame on when. Uh, I, I hope it's sooner rather than later, but, um, I mean, I guess we'll find out, uh, uh, in the coming months when that will be. So yeah, so this is the latest Mistwalker game. Um, and if you've, if you know anything about Miss Walker, you know it's uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi's studio, and he's the the father of Final Fantasy, as as people would say. Um, he said that this could be his last project, so I mean, he sure named it Final Fantasy. Of, I know, right? <laughs> like we had we had Lost Odyssey, which was kind of a similar play on uh, on words, right. and I mean, I guess I guess you know. Fantasian fantasy, so yeah, um, he's definitely you know this is this is a game that is clearly meant to evoke nostalgia and and uh, and and make you feel like you're playing a, a, a PS one Final Fantasy game. I think yeah. the uh, the inspiration is very clear on the sleeve uh, of this game as soon as you load it up, um, and uh, surprisingly, I really took heart from that. I really enjoyed that, the nostalgia that I, I, I felt from booting this game up in a way that I wasn't really expecting. I mean, I love Final Fantasy and I very much do love the PS1 Final Fantasy games since they were my first Final Fantasies and my first uh, real RPGs. But I'm not, I'm not someone who's always like, oh, I really want the nostalgia from, you know, previous generations. Like, I like it. It can be fun. Like, I liked it in Octopath Traveler. That was that was cool, but it's not like something that I was like, oh well, I need this now. I really need this. But but having played this, yeah, I really need it. It's <laughs> it's just a very heartwarming experience that speaks to my my youth and my uh, my youth, both in my age and also in my 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 video game, you know, history or whatnot, you know makes me reminds me of some of my earliest days playing rpgs and i think anybody who's played though you know the final fantasy 7 8 9 era of final fantasies will find a lot to like in this game it's definitely a sort of a classic sakaguchi kind of story um and feel to it and the battle system will be kind of a familiar but nice kind of, you know, twist on a, a Final Fantasy X style uh, turn-based battle system. Oh, cool. So, that one's got a lot of nice yeah. activity to it, so that's cool that they got that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Save Crystal, like, seven. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it looks... It's got, like... Okay, so my I love how it looks, but there's also a part of me that gets hit a bit by the Uncanny Valley of... That it kind of looks like AR. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got that... Like, it just feels like you, you've scanned something with your your phone and like you're playing on this little maquette with 3d characters that don't quite fit. Like, is there, is it just simply, that's just the art choice. There's no reason why the world looks this way and why the characters are slightly different or they just, that's just as close as they got the models to this world. Obviously they weren't going to stop animate every single character. Although I feel like there was some game that was doing that not too long ago, but yeah, like it was that too jarring. Is there a reason for it in the world or is it just the way it is? Uh, I think it's just the art choice from, okay. the, from the team. I don't. There's there's nothing uh, that suggests in the game that there's any sort of reason for that. It's just you know what they decide to do. I really I think it's cool. Like it. Um, 
it reminds me of, you know, again, of those PS1 uh, Final Fantasies where mm-hmm. you'd have the background and the characters, the NPCs would always stand out because they're not pre-rendered. Yeah, they kind of stick out a bit. sprites. Yeah. And they would, you know, you'd have some times where uh, depending on, you know, what map you're on, maybe the camera zoomed in a little bit and it's a little blurry in the background, but the characters are nice and sharp. And that happens here too, um, which... On the one hand, it's unfortunate. Like uh, I think they may have, they may have decided they couldn't take super high res shots because they had to m- manage the file size uh, since it is on mobile devices. Yeah. Um, it's only it's only like four four and a half gigabytes of a download. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe they had a limit. They had to. They didn't want to, you know, go above a certain file size. Um, so sometimes, depending on where you are on the map or in a cutscene, it'll be super zoomed in and the background will be pretty blurry. Uh, embarrassingly so. There are a few scenes where I'm like, wow, why is this Why is this so blurry and low res? They, 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 mm. But on the other hand, I don't know. Like, There's a part of me that remembers that kind of same effect from, from old Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. Like, that would happen too. You're forgiving where you'd have yeah, so to a certain extent, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm feeling this. Okay. This reminds me of old school Final Fantasy a little bit. So, would you be shocked if we heard, like, in like two years' time, that they're they're gonna upres it and port it to like consoles or a PC or something like, do a port where they can do like that bigger, like now it's 32 gigs, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I I wouldn't. Um, okay, I. I don't know what Apple's rules are about the the exclusivity of this game. Um, I only just subbed to Apple Arcade for this. Um, and actually, I'm quite happy with it so far. So I'm probably going to hold on to it for a little while. Right. Um, but I mean, assuming that they don't, you know, have like a permanent, this can never leave Apple Arcade. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point it makes its way to... I don't know. A Switch would seem to be a really good place for this yeah. game, too. It's a no-brainer, really. Um, yeah, it's got a yeah. very Bravely kind of vibe with the new, especially with how Bravely Default 2 looked. It's kind of mm-hmm. in the same kind of wheelhouse. But it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. They, the Mac OS is an option on Steam. They can still just keep it Mac exclusive. <laughs> what are you playing it on? Um, I have mostly been playing it on my Apple 4K TV, um, on my, my living room TV. But when I'm... At, I've, I've been playing it while I can at work, uh, and uh, when I'm at work, I play it on my iPad. Um, and how does the controls translate-wise? Uh, well, they uh, both the Apple TV and the iPad support Bluetooth controllers, so mostly I use my uh, uh, DualShock 4 okay, with very it. Nice. And, and it's it's you know it has built-in support. It it works just fine. I mean, it you when I'm playing it on my Apple TV, it's like I was playing it like on my ps4 or whatnot it feels like very much like a console kind of experience okay. it looks good it runs well um honestly on, on i feel like, i feel like the second you said that somebody at like an apple park just like was like woo console <laughs> <laughs> level experience yeah um there's a little bit of awkwardness in the controls uh so all of the backgrounds are obviously, you know, an angled camera shot, but they take multiple angles depending on where you are moving in the area. And there's a sort of like a pseudo, it looks like the camera is moving transition, like they almost used a, a, a video camera to record a movement, but it's not. It's just, it's the, it's some sort of, you know, AI or computer based system going from one 
angle of a shot to the other and just it looks like the camera's rotating just weird transitions yeah it's kind of cool like it's a it's a way to simulate the idea of an actual camera movement even though it's just going from one still image to the other um well just in this basement with an iphone like running around the model (laughs) yeah um (laughs) but when you do when it does do that sometimes uh it's like this the game still thinks that you if you're holding on to the analog stick that you're moving in the same direction even though the angle may have changed so sometimes when the angle changes your character control goes a little out of whack and you have to like let let go of the analog stick for a second to reorient they're just keeping that Um, classic playstation one vibe because i can definitely think of more than a few final fantasy Eight, oh, nine, yeah. and ten, and whatever moments where I switched frames, I was like, "Wait, why?" Well, and I just walked back. I didn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to the to the, to the previous one. Yeah, I've done that a, a bunch <laughs> yeah. too. So again, it's nostalgia. You know, it kind of. <laughs> Let's just keep it broken. It's, it's. I'm giving them a pass because, you know, technically that's not really a good thing. But hey, it reminds me <laughs> of the olden days. It was so. Artist intention, I swear. Yeah. Um, it's a little weirder with the, if you're playing with touch controls for movement because um, there is no virtual uh, analog stick. You just tap on a place and it drops a pin and then your character moves there automatically. Oh, okay. Like and you can't it, it, you can't even just like hold it and have him just follow a trail. It it will just keep dropping pins and he'll. It's 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 kind of an interesting choice. I was expecting to have more of a virtual joystick kind of control there, um, but I mean it's certainly it's it it doesn't really in the long run impact uh, gameplay. So I don't you know if you don't have a Bluetooth controller or you don't want to carry one around because you know that's an extra peripheral to to lug about with you it's perfectly playable with touch controls too also some people just prefer touch controls like the idea Mm -hmm. of using a controller to them is just why would i use a controller i can just touch the screen yeah i'm not one of those people but there is one real big downside of using the touch controls and that's how you access the menu um so the menu when you're using touch controls you have to drag from the right side of the screen to pull up the menu but if you use and I, if you use an iPad, you know that that's also how you pull the slide over for multitasking. Mm-hmm. Uh. And it's really <laughs> finicky. It is really finicky. Sometimes I have a really hard time getting the menu to react and not the uh, not, not iPad OS thinking I'm trying to pull slide over. So that's that's a, that's a thing. I, I would have appreciated like a dedicated button somewhere on the screen that you just tap to pull the menu instead of... Or slide it from the left side of the screen or or something, yeah. you know. Something that doesn't so. interfere with the actual functionality of the iPad itself or iPhone itself. Yeah, yeah. And obviously that's a, it's a moot point if you're using a controller because you just use the um, the face buttons to open the menu on the controller. So, so there's that. Yeah, they right. could have just put like a little transparent square up in the top right-hand corner and if you touched it, it would open the menu and it wouldn't have bothered anyone. Yeah. Most yeah. likely. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll make adjustments with when when part two comes out, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll see. I think it's I think what you were saying about like the nostalgia and how the game looks and how it evokes PlayStation One graphics without actually looking like PlayStation One graphics uh, because of the diner. I think it's a really really clever idea to get that that idea. Like when I saw the when I first saw the uh, graphic style and the dioramas, I got really excited because one of my one of my uh, Guilty pleasures, I am just going to sit on my computer chair and zone out, is to watch uh, people make dioramas on YouTube. Um, there's oh, a guy really? named, yeah, there's huh. a guy named uh, Luke 
Tawan, I think his name is, and he just like makes these beautiful, super realistic dioramas. And it's really, really relaxing to watch him put these things together from just styrofoam to if you weren't really paying close attention, it looks real. So mm. I, I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, this, this looks really cool. And then to hear that it's also evoking the, the slight disconnect between your characters and the background from PlayStation 1 era, that's really cool to me. Um, you were mentioning blurriness. I'm curious how are the, is the blurriness and the graphic uh, fidelity, is it as noticeable on the iPad as it is on the uh, Apple TV? I'd I'd be curious to see if Apple is, well, frankly, if Apple just doesn't care about Apple TV people, they think that most people are going to be playing this on an iPad. So that's where they're, that's where they're putting their energies. Or does it look like equally good on both? It looks equally good on both and, and equally distracting when it's super blurry and low resolution on both. Well, that's too bad on the one hand and also good that Apple's not just like, whatever, Apple TV, pfft. Oh yeah, no. I I think Apple is I don't think they're they're at all like thinking about abandoning the the the, the utility of the Apple TV um which is good cuz it's my primary streaming device and now that I have Apple Arcade and access to a lot of cool indie games that uh I've been wanting to check out but didn't really want to either buy elsewhere or get Apple Arcade for Right. Now I'm now I'm seriously thinking because I mean and to be fair I'm really entrenched in the Apple ecosystem I have obviously I have a pet tablet and an Apple TV I've got a phone I have a MacBook so I the 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 uh, convenience of Apple Arcade being able to jump from one device to the other and like cloud saves and all that is really cool for me it might not be for someone else but I will say you know like, even if you have no Apple products whatsoever, um, and you, if you really want to check out this game, the Apple TV is a decent uh, idea because it's probably the cheapest way to to get hold of Apple Arcade games. Um, uh, much cheaper than you know buying an iPad or uh, getting a MacBook or or a Mac desktop. And you know the current models, they're hopefully going to update them soon, so you might want to wait and see you know when that happens. But like I said, you know you. Plug a you you connect a, a Bluetooth controller, plug it to your TV. It's like you're playing on a console. And uh, I mean, right now, I think the current models are you know under two hundred bucks. So it's a decent you know way to get access to it if you want. Yeah. Uh, I'm not being paid by Apple to say that. I'm just I know full well they're expensive, and I'm in a privileged position of having multiple devices to work with. But you know. Yeah, and plus you'll anyway. get you'll get a few extra you'll get a few free months of Apple TV on top of that, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. And I mean, there. if all you want to do is check this game out, you know, there's a free month. You get a you get a month free trial for Apple Arcade before you have to start paying. And this game is absolutely beatable, well under that month. So you could check it out. You could, you know, cancel your subscription after you're finished and then maybe resubscribe when part two comes out or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, there's always that. Uh, at least you don't have to, like, pay, like, a, a year's subscription up front just to play one game if that's the only, only thing you're interested in. Hey, Caitlin, out of curiosity, this is related to what you were talking about. Have you checked out Mythic Quest yet uh, on Apple TV? I have not. Not a bad show. 
I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the the first the next season starts on Friday, I think, or at least there's a special episode coming out. Mm, yeah. Uh, if you are, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's great. It's very very funny. But also, it's about it's about the development of an MMORPG. So. Yeah, yeah, I saw the the trailer for it. I I, I want to check it out at some point because it seems like it would be a cool show for you know gamers to uh, to watch and and probably lots of inside references and jokes and whatnot. Yeah, there's it some inside baseball. Well. <laughs> I, I liked it though. If you were looking for a a, a reason to use your Apple TV, uh, yeah. Plus, it's it's there's that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, also Ted Lasso is great. It had one of the best uh, like COVID shot episodes i've seen like oh the quarantine episode the quarantine episode is incredibly good oh cool like it was very powerful uh so i haven't talked about a couple of things like really important to discuss like how are how's the story i was gonna ask you about that is it as simple as like the is that also part of the throwback like they they keep that simple because you said you want to keep going and want more so i'm guessing it's a compelling tale uh it is i um so it's it's both. It's uh, they are definitely uh, sort of going for you know that that sort of classic uh, old school Final Fantasy kind of uh, uh, JRPG feel with the story. Like the characters, you know, there's a lot of archetypes that you've seen before. The main character's name is Leo. Is uh, he's amnesia. He you start the game with him, you know, going through this machine world and right at the beginning there's an explosion and he wakes up and doesn't remember pretty much anything besides his name so a big part of the opening portion of the game is him going around trying to figure out who he is what he was doing there all this stuff and so we you know you've seen that it, and amnesiac main protagonist is nothing new he also looks um, a lot like 2b which kept throwing me off when i was seeing with all yeah. the new near promo stuff i was like wait which which one is this now <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting design choice. Uh, I also kind of thought, hey, that looks like like Nier almost. Um, and then the other characters also, there are tropes that they fulfill. You've got the mysterious uh, orphan girl who's got powerful magic. You've got the haughty princess. You have the cantankerous uh, sea captain, uh, the bratty child. So you're going to see all these classic archetypes that we've seen in a you know even you know in past the Final Fantasy food. games. Yeah, but I think, you know, I think it's, a, to me, personally, it feels like uh, an archetype's done well. Like, I like the characters. It's not like they're, you know, super unique and and different, but they all feel fun and uh, there's an earnestness to them that uh, really, I think, helps endear you to them. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I like it. Um the the story is really interesting though like uh, at first i wasn't sure if it was just going to be about figuring out who leo is but the game is really good about dropping breadcrumbs at like a steady pace and every breadcrumb explains a little bit more about leo or the world and the world itself the more i'm learning about the world uh it's it's really really cool like i'm surprised by how much uh i've gotten into trying to figure out what the heck is going on and what you know uh what the end game of the bad guys is who the bad guys even are like i've i take notes when i play these games to review and usually it's just like okay what do i think about 
the gameplay or the, or the graphics or the sound or whatever. But I, my notes have turned into this sort of like, I'm jotting down theories about, okay, this character could be that, or maybe it's this, like this kind of thing, or, or are they going to do that? Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like jotting down lots of theories about what might be going on because the game is so good at making every new little breadcrumb sort of change your perception of the bad guy or the world or Leo or, you know, whatever. Um, so I, that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm super excited for part two, just even though I haven't finished part one yet, because they've done a good job of laying this foundation of a really interesting world. So I look forward um, to your review just being all Caitlin theories. I know. It, well, it's going to be super hard. Like I'm trying to be vague in even discussing it because uh, part of the fun for me really has been getting those breadcrumbs and having them turn the gears in my head a little bit. So I don't want to really spoil what, you know, yeah. some of the things that are going on. And thus, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the big level, you know, the broad thing is there are, there's, you have the human world that is being invaded by these, uh, this, this, these machine-like, uh, infestation called Mecteria that will, like, kill people and steal their emotions, uh, if they get near it. And it's coming from this hole in the sky, and everybody thinks that it is the doing of this evil, uh, God called uh, Bam the Malevolent, and <laughs> that's like all I'll say about. <laughs> what was his name? His name is Bam the Malevolent. Bam oh, okay, the I heard Bam. It's like Bam. Oh, okay. Just coming down. <laughs> that would nose. be interesting. <laughs> bam, Bam. But yeah. Um. So yeah. And um. But it gets it gets a lot more interesting than that because i mean maybe that just sounds like oh of course there's a bad guy and he's you know poisoning the world and we have to stop him it sounds but, like it subverts it's the where it kind of the obvious start like you, it sounds like it gets more interesting because if it just stayed like that i wouldn't expect you to be this intrigued yeah yeah it definitely does start to subvert and and to maybe broaden beyond that that initial sort of like trope of Oh, evil bad guy makes the world sad. So kid with amnesia so, can yeah. save them. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. yeah. I mean, you've so. played Final Force, Final Fantasy fourteen. You have taste. <laughs> yeah. And most importantly, Maybe. with this game, how's the music? Oh, it's so good. I um, yes. it's been a while since I've heard uh, anything from Uematsu that wasn't uh, an arrangement in Final Fantasy fourteen, and. Uh, there's a very, very good chance this will be his last full game uh, project because of his health. Yeah. Uh, and it is it is very much classic uh, vintage Uematsu. You know, if you've been having, if you've wanted an itch for that sort of, you know, again, like old school Final Fantasy Uematsu, this is it. Do they keep the loops uh, like some... tight? Uh, I mean, as in short or... Yeah. Um. Ah, uh, they're decent size. They don't they don't feel like they're they're too short. Um, and there's a lot of beautiful instrumentation. Um, I'm not sure I'm sold on the battle music. I think that there's a couple things I like, but I think that the the town themes and then the the cutscene or the um, the music that plays in the the memory sequences uh, is really really good. And uh, speaking of which, 
the game has memories. Um, if you've played Lost Odyssey, you might know, you might have an idea about what these are. Um, they're basically little text uh, story sequences. You have like a little beautiful art background, but then the story is completely told through text with some music and sound effects thrown in where appropriate. Like it's, a little like, journal entry kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like a little, or a little vignette kind of thing like that. Um, so, and they're really good. They're really, they're well-written and they flesh out characters and, and, and story bits. And it's actually a lot of fun uh, to get them since it, it lets them drop uh, some background and, uh, and lore and whatnot without needing to do full-blown cutscenes where people are talking. So, yeah. And it also plays into Leo getting his memories back because right. some of them are literally him remembering things because of some sort of stimulus out in the world. So it's a it's a neat way to to get some more story in there. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, like for a game that was designed uh, for mobile devices that they would want it to do something like this to maximize story and background without having to have it be full cutscenes. And Yeah, it could be a big memory hog. Yeah. The art is gorgeous. I mean, like, I hope that at some point they release the art, uh, like, in a book or something without the text in front of it, because it's just really beautiful artwork. Um, so, I guess the only other thing for me to talk about would be the uh, the gameplay, the the battles. Um, yeah, you had mentioned, mentioned that are, they're kind of pretty classic. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of similar to Final Fantasy X's uh, uh, turn-based system, where... There's, there's no ATB, there's no, like, you know, you have to make your movement before the enemy attacks you. Everybody gets their turn in a set order, which you'll see mm-hmm. at the bottom of the screen. Um, and you, you, you know, you, you have physical attacks, you have, you have skills, you have magic, uh, you can use items. Um, but they kind of, there's some, some nice development to the mechanics uh, that I thought were really cool. Um, one of them is, that you can, depending on your skills, um, you know, you have typical single target skills, you have AOE skills, but some characters will have a skill that can hit enemies in a line, like it'll hit multiple enemies as long as they're in a straight line. Other characters can actually bend their attack and have it go along kind of an arc. So you can you can use the analog stick or you can use a finger on a touch screen like a touchscreen to... Gimmick. Yeah. To sort of the, the game tells you to think of it like you're pulling back the bow, uh, the string of a bow, uh, to bend the line so that the attack or the magic goes in an arc. It's and like you can what do, they wanted can... to do and wanted. You bend the bullets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except without the, uh, without the, uh, I don't know, without sacrificing the uh, the pig or the uh, the dead body in the process. <laughs> Either way, the der- terrible, terrible interpretation of that story. Either yeah. way, this sounds neat and like a good application of it. Yeah, it's cool. Like it, it opens up some interesting mechanical um, uh, uniqueness that you you might not expect. Like you can use that to, if there's a character blocking in the front and you can't get at the characters behind him uh, with with a normal attack, you could bit you could use a, a a bend attack to get around them. And then oh, cool. there are yeah. There are things like, you know, oh well maybe I want to hit everybody in a row because they're lined up and I can do that. Um and then the last really cool thing the game does, which I think should be something other RPGs should think about, is the uh the dimension uh mechanic. This is a device that you get early on in the game. Uh 
that Leo has for reasons. Um, that basically once you've met an enemy, once you've fought an enemy, uh, it will then suck any future occurrences of that enemy, like any future random battles with those enemies, into an alternate dimension and just store them there for you for a while. Um, and then whenever you want to fight them, you can then activate it and fight them, fight all of the enemies that it sucked up. Uh, all at once. There is a limit. You can't you can't do it this infinitely. At, at a certain point, once it's full, you'll be forced into a fight. Um, That's so weird. But basically, <laughs> basically, you'll you'll be running around a map, and instead of getting into random battles, they'll just go to the dimension, and you can keep moving through the level. And later on, you can activate the dimension and just fight all of them at once, or you can wait until it overflows and it forces you. But it it, it frees up a lot of time for you to keep exploring the world and lets you fight enemies on your schedule more, which is, I really appreciate that. I think people, one of the things people hate about random battles and RPGs is that it feels like it's a, a time waster. Like, oh, take a few steps, fight a battle. Like this, it feels like this is a way that the game respects your time by letting you choose when you want to fight uh, random mobs. Yeah, Bravely Default was good about that. And I think it's, it's by virtue of it being handheld and understanding how and where people will be consuming this content, allowing mm-hmm. you to play it in short bursts on the bus or on transit and something like that, or just on your break at work. So you can make it more manageable and not suck up all your time is a really smart idea. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. Do we all, does everyone here have an eye device? Like uh, Annette Splurge and bought a very nice iPad uh, for herself not too long ago that I'm probably going to have to abscond with at some point just to play this. <laughs> uh, does everybody yeah. else have designs? Yeah, I have a, I have an iPad Pro, and I'm probably going to be upgrading to the new iPad Pro when it comes out. Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, I will have my hands on it because it will have been announced. Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to get one of those, I too. wish that my... Snazzy. my I've, I have a second-gen iPad Pro, and this is my second... This is my second keyboard cover. They keep breaking because it's a defect with the actual unit, and it's one of those ones that Apple will not admit to it being a problem. So rather than buy a third keyboard cover, because I use it like for it's a it's a part of my workflow. I use it all the time for uh, writing. So instead of just getting another keyboard cover, I decided I'm just gonna I'm gonna give my my iPad Pro to Amanda, and I'll get a new iPad Pro for myself, and then my iPad 2 that is gosh almost a decade old at this point that Amanda uses occasionally can go to her dad so everyone wins huzzah uh yeah I just have a my wife has an old a very old MacBook Pro (laughs) uh I'm thinking about what am I gonna have to do to try and play this game (laughs) (laughs) how much do I have to drop yeah Yeah. I mean (laughs) figure out yeah figure out how far back you can go and see if you can find just like a secondhand iPod or something yeah yeah, we'll see. Or wait until it drops <laughs> Might have on to try Switch. it on my wife's computer. I don't know, I I moved away from I, uh, Apple products a few years ago. Just eh, I don't. Know. I like Samsung better. Yeah, I've been on Android for a long time too. I've never I had an iPod and it got stolen, and since then I just haven't really needed to. But Annette's been all Apple all the time since all of her stuff is connected for that, and she hasn't really been like. I mean, I could, but it'd be a real big buy-in to try and get out at this point. So I've already got everything at this moment so and it's all synchronized for what she needs to do the ipad works great for her directing like it's just it makes no sense so 
I'll reap the benefit. <laughs> I fully understand why someone would move from an I from Apple to Android for phones, but in the terms of the tablet game, I mean, yeah, iPad is the it's the it's not the only game in town, but it's the only game in town worth playing. <laughs> yeah, you can't really complain for it. It's they they work, they sing, they work well. Like Gwen's, what like I think she has a third generation one that's still kicking around. Like obviously a lot of apps have stopped working on it, mm-hmm. but. Still does its thing, and it belonged to a three-year-old who no doubt has dropped it a lot. <laughs> I mean, it had an otter box, but still, it's like, <laughs> it's doing its thing. Yeah, my iPad 2, it still works. Looks like it's been through a war, but it still works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, cool. Well, yeah, that's that sounds awesome, though. So I'm glad you've been having a good time with it, Caitlin. And um, I don't know, what is your... Are you... Uh, have they told us what the, the arc of the story, like, or is it just going to be two parts? As far as I know, it's just going to be two parts. They haven't mentioned okay. it being more than that. Gotcha. I'm a little disappointed that at no point have you been just like running around one of these incredibly detailed diorama sets and then you just are like, what? is that a coffee cup? <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite stories of theme parks is uh, in Back to the Future the Ride, if you're paying really close attention when you're flying the DeLorean over 2015 Hill Valley, if you're if you if you're looking just the right place, you can see a gigantic coffee cup that uh, that one of the uh, designers like put on the table and then forgot about when they did the actual filming. Oh no, <laughs> that would be uh, that would be really cool because there is that uh, I, I can't remember his name, but there's a really uh, well known Japanese uh, uh, artist who does oh, right. those miniature dioramas using real yeah. world objects. I love I love his work. I follow him on Twitter, and that would be mm-hmm. kind of a nice little Easter egg. I mean, maybe who knows? I haven't seen all of part one, and there's another part. Maybe they'll throw something like a collaboration with him in there somewhere. But this whole time, it's just been yeah, you're in a diorama world of a kid's mind. Mm-hmm. Either way, that's uh, yeah, it's sounding awesome and. Yeah, I'm like I said, gonna be gonna be getting my hands on that uh, if Annette will allow me to download <laughs> it. Because <laughs> it's hers, you know, no games if need be, except for the ones that she wants. <laughs> um, but yeah, as we round out this conversation and uh, finish up the episode, uh, again, I've been trying to pose random questions, and as always, listeners, feel free to uh, email me if you have random questions you want to ask. Um, but over the past uh, few weeks. Since uh, the last episode and such, I've just been not following it super closely. I, I did pick up on it really quick, though, the the, the whole explosion of the NFT art scene uh, and just the whole scam, not scam, whatever it is. But I was wondering, it, it got me thinking, like, what if someone out there, you know, started broadening the horizons? Uh, as Jono was saying in the pre-show, um, the Wu-Tang Clan did this at one point as well with a uh, like a one shot, one copy only album. Um, so I was thinking like, yeah, would would that work with video games if someone just made a digital game that only one person could buy for an excessive amount of fake money? Uh, you know, burning down several rainforests to power it. Like, I mean, I, I'm fairly confident we'd all hate it, but at the same time, what could that be? What could that look like? But it's like it's just such an interesting art experiment, possibly. I mean, I'd be worried that the Pharma Bro would buy it again. <laughs> yeah. 
I'd be worried about the quality of the game if it's only yeah. going to be played and owned by one person. Like, is that what's the motivation for the developer to make sure that it runs well? Or you know, like, why why put all the man hours into into play testing and doing quality assurance if it's just going to be played by one person? And I mean, like, once they bought it, like, can you if they're not happy with their expensive purchase are they up is, is it tough or like are there right. are there protections in place to say i'm not satisfied with this or this is not a, this is not you know i can't accept this so give me my money back yeah is there a window in which it can be returned and then someone else can try and buy it or the developer can work on it again yeah depends if they know. sell it on steam or not <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the fact that uh yeah because like as been uh, we've been seeing with the nft art scene people have then been reselling the art so i mean conceivably you could play the game and sell it again if you wanted to you may not get your whole price back for it but at least but at the same time you might also be able to drive up the value if you're just like this game blew my mind Mm -hmm. you know and then people are like well well, i need to get my mind blown i i need to play this and then you know creates a false demand or something but i don't know it'd be interesting but i mean it also possibly wouldn't just be one game we get multiple will it just be rpg maker vx games (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would need to be, I, I can't see anyone doing it that wasn't a, that, that does, that doesn't do games as art specifically like, uh, oh damn, what's his name? Uh, the guy who did, um, Stan, he, I think it was the Stanley Parable, uh, Davey Rendon, I think his name is, uh, he was the creator of the Stanley Parable, one of the creators of the Stanley Parable. He did a game called the Beginner's Guide. Uh, and I mean, they are games as art. They are not, uh, right. I could see that's what, like I picture something like that, you know, like just something that's just like an experience. Yeah. Like I could see that. I could see that happening. I do not see like, I do not see, uh, Square Enix developing the next Final Fantasy game and selling it to one person. Although that would be the most incredible troll ever. I imagine how expensive it would be too. Cause like they had to get they had to recoup all of their development costs from one sale not from a, right. a, you know a couple million or you know whatever sale so like i bet someone would do it oh yeah someone would absolutely do it someone yeah, would buy like, it i'm waiting for it i'm waiting for it to happen like I just no, i'm saying like, like someone would like if they if they did ever did that if they released like if they released a single copy of final fantasy 20 have and someone had to pay like a billion dollars for it there's got to be at least one billionaire in the world who'd be like yep it's a bargain yeah i'm a piece of history it's mine the final part of final fantasy 7 remake can only be owned by one person (laughs) (laughs) oh that would be the most incredible troll ever that would be amazing maybe it'll be a whole console maybe it'll be a just a A one-off the best the best gaming rig uh ever ever made (laughs) that's what kfc is gonna do yeah. Uh oh. Or it could be that uh, there was some Wu Tang game from back in the PS2 era that had like a troubled development. I don't know if it ever actually came out. Maybe it'll just be that. <laughs> just Wu Tang gets back in the game. Yeah. Maybe this time, yeah. everybody. Yeah. What if it was? What if it was like ET? What if the the game that you got was <laughs> ET? <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, would you want to admit that that's what you spent your money on? Like, that's the other thing too. Would the person be like, "Yeah, I blew." several million dollars on this game that really sucks but like, no it's, re- it's really really good but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sell it because i'm just gonna keep it myself cause it's so good you know like <laughs> where they have to save face 
It's just. I mean, if you spend that much money, you gotta own it. So it, it's just the. E, it's a remastered ET. Oh. You, can't, you can't just do yeah. the Atari version. You need to remaster it. But it still has to be awful. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm not it's saying the it exact be same. Good. It's like what they're doing with Diablo 2, where it's just a new skin over top of the original gameplay. Yep. And it just like something, you know, they could do one of those interviews where they're like, we went back to the original, we added components that we really think will bring E.T. to life. And it's just like a poorly digitized version of E.T. being like E.T. phone home playing every 30 seconds. Oh, no. <laughs> That'd just be awful. Now, what if they went full like collector's card kind of thing, though, where they had like different chapters or episodes but again, each one was released independently, so you had to trade amongst each other or resell to get the whole experience. You have a shiny cloud in a Final Fantasy. Yeah. That, I could see that a little bit more. Okay, I can see Nintendo doing that. I can see them doing I can see them doing this exactly, but with individual Pokemon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One of a kind Pokemon <laughs> that you have to trade, you can't you cannot uh, copy. Just an NFT Pokemon? Yeah. An NFT Pokemon. I can see Nintendo doing that at some point in the future. I was surprised they never... I always thought they were going to do that sort of thing with... Um, back with the Amiibos. Not that I was thinking they were going to make like one out of the kind, but I just thought that was going to be another way where you could get unique Pokemon or something like that, is going out and buying a physical Amiibo and then scanning it into your your 3DS or whatever. I thought that would have been kind of fun. And then you get these cool little Pokemon statues too, but then you could trade amongst friends or something maybe. I don't know. Hmm. I think the problem is Nintendo is actually one of the only companies I can think of that really, really likes to play with artificial uh, scarcity. Like they did it with the they did it with the uh, Super Mario 3D collection. Mm, yeah. They did it with uh, Mario. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't understand why Nintendo Fireball. seems to think that, like the Disney Vault was a good idea. Like even Disney at some point was like, we're just going to put it all on Disney Plus. It's fine. The vault's open. But Nintendo's like, mm, nope, good idea. But yeah, will they reopen it again eventually? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but they'll charge sixty dollars per game. I'm not actually coming down hard on Nintendo here. I just, it's just, it's they. They like they to do, experience gimmicks. Yeah, they like gimmicks. They like artificial scarcity. They did it with. They did it with. Uh, was it Mario Thirty Five? I can't remember the name of the game. I haven't yeah. played it yet. Yeah, there was a bunch of I stuff that came with last now. year. The build up to this year's thirty fifth anniversary, they had that. Yeah, Mario ninety nine or thirty. Sorry, Mario Thirty Five was actually pretty fun though. As Super long as hard. they don't do it with Tetris 99, I'm happy. If they ever get rid of Tetris 99, I'm just going to be broken hearted. <laughs> I love Tetris 99 And now you got so Pac-Man much. 99. <laughs> all depends on the person. It all depends on the person. It depends on how, how your brain fits the pieces together. <laughs> well, then um, my fun hypothetical thing that I'll throw out to round out this thought then, uh, which again, we're all clearly like, yeah, sure, we could see it, but why? If you could have... All right, let's just, we'll stick, we've all played enough Final Fantasies. So you're playing a big Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy Dimensions, we'll say, kind of thing, or um, Record okay. Keeper, where you had to get, like, your NFT character. Which character would you NFT, like, would you pay a bunch of money for that you would have to have in your Final Fantasy Dimension? Who's your pick? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I think it'd be Ramza. I'd pay for Ramza. I like Ramza Beowulf a lot. He's a pretty cool character. I mean, I'm already basically kind of doing that in War of the Visions, saving all my fake monies in that for when they re-release him as a special character. But <laughs> yeah, I think I would want Ramza, Ramza in my party. How about a Kefka? You get a Kefka, nice. It'd be a, be, yeah, fun to play as a villain. Yeah. I'm going to do something mad. I mean, as well go for a madman. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of characters. Who's worth spending thousands of dollars on? I mean, obviously none of us would do that, but you know. I'll tell you, Celis. 
Celis is my all-time favorite Final Fantasy character. Mm. I love her. She's, I mean, it's not just the fact that, you know, it, it, I think she has a ridiculously compelling story through the entire thing. True. Uh, she, like, for gosh sake, she's the only Final Fantasy character I can think of which canonically attempted suicide on screen out of despair. And that's just like, oh my god, I can't believe that Final Fantasy, Got that dark. square went there. <laughs> um, and, like, then it picks it up. It, it just, it's dealing with grief in a very real way and pain and depression. And that's... That section of the game, back when I was a kid, I didn't realize how deeply it affected me until I was older. And I played it again, and I was like, holy shit. This is super hard. Um, I'd probably have to go with someone from Final Fantasy XIV, and I'm just trying to decide... <laughs> which one? Which one? Because there's so many good choices. I mean, like, Only I kind of get one. I kind of want to say Emmett Selk because he's like the best villain that Square has ever done, in my opinion. So, like, I've heard good things. And I mean, he, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Him or Emmerich maybe would probably be my my picks from from fourteen. So there you go. Just depends on who's cheaper or who's more expensive. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, uh, that would be a random like. Yeah, one time by where only one person gets that character in their game would be be quite the frenzy. People would do it though. I know people would do it. You're not That's wrong. And this conversation's part. this conversation is really I it, it's this is a terrifying reality that I think we're going to have to face with the advent of this particular technology. Um yeah, someone saw that it worked and people are going to try and harness it. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Bring out everybody's inner Ferengi. Why'd you bring it up? <laughs> yeah, you gave him ideas. You give him ideas. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. It didn't we can do happen. an NFT episode of random. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'll fund the whole yeah. site. We'll just do one one NFT uh, episode. You can get it uh, for the low low price. We'll start bidding at one dollar, and that'll be what we get. <laughs> <laughs> but what would we do? What would the episode be about? Random just, things. Uh, yeah. uh, NFTs. No, we'll just, ra- yeah, we don't have any set, like, we're not going to talk about video games specifically. If they come up, then so be it. But we'll just have random conversations. We just have it, and it just goes as long as possible. Like, we just keep <laughs> I mean, going. People just keep looping in and out. It a 24-hour like episode. Yeah. <laughs> just, I I don't hate that idea as a fun. We'll tap out. We'll let Leona or Alana, you know, start hosting while we're asleep. Because different time zones, then we come back. It would just be insanity. By the end of like five days, we're like, "What do we even talk about anymore?" There are some epi- there are some podcasts that do this kind of thing. Like I know Hello Internet did uh, like they did a record, uh, they did a record episode where it was limited edition podcast on record. They did one that was on a uh, wax cylinder. <laughs> why? Well, that was. I mean, you're answering your own question. It's like, why not? <laughs> yeah. It was a. Yeah, it was a they did a they did a podcast on wax cylinder and you could buy it. It's like we just got a Game Boy game. I mean, like, why not, right? I mean, I think the Game Boy games are a little more advanced than a wax cylinder, but there we go. Our podcast will be released as a Game Boy card. <laughs> as a Game Boy card. One and only that you can d- d- buy. <laughs> Our podcast will be everyone is playing Switch or playing Ring Fit with cameras. And you get to watch us <laughs> embarrass ourselves as we struggle to work out. <laughs> uh, and with that, I feel like we're at the end of another episode of Random Encounter. If you want to, uh, you know, tell us about your thoughts on the whole NFT thing and the 
good idea, bad idea, secretly, uh, we all know it's a bad idea, uh, you can email us at podcast at rpgfan.com. You can listen to other podcasts whenever you want. They are uh, not one of a kind. We have Random Encounters episodes. That's not what I meant to say. We have episodes of Retro Encounter coming out uh, weekly. And uh, as much as Mike keeps saying, maybe he'll take a break and chill out. He keeps doing them. There's tons of them. There's lots of good game journals coming out. So stay tuned for those. Rhythm Encounter is back. So if you want to get that music in your ears, uh, we had thought the Bravely episode would be out by now, but I know there's been some delays, so it should be coming up soon. But it's it's not canceled. It's not going away again. I know everyone's going to have separation anxiety over Rhythm Encounter, but don't worry. It will come up again. And last, we have Phoenix Edge podcast, staying up on a lot more of the uh, current events. Um, Caitlin, how excited are you for uh, a live-action Aloy film? A live-action what film? Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, oh, oh. Uh... I realized, yes, I kind of buried it in a weird way, but still, that's what I meant. I was just thinking because they were just talking about, yeah. Wait, I thought that um, there was that news it was a Ghost of Tsushima they're making a live-action version of, right? It's not Horizon. I thought... Uh, I think it's also Horizon. Yeah, I think it's both. It so. Oh, shit! I missed that! I just, I just heard Ghost of Tsushima, uh, of Tsushima and, everyone, and, and everyone was talking about, like, that's an interesting choice, and people were like, Horizon, <laughs> but for real? Yeah. <gasps> and then we hear everyone's <gasps> voice get distant as she runs away. Oh, shit! <laughs> I, I had to Google this! <laughs> I had to Google this! Oh! It could be so good, and it could not, I don't know, like... It's going to be so weird with it not being Ashley Birch, because Ashley Birch is also a good live-action actor, but Ashley Birch looks nothing like Aloy, so it wouldn't jive. But, yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I've Ever since I've played through it, I was like, I would like to see... I would love to see this game brought to the film world just so other people can experience the story. So, it's exciting. At any rate, uh, so after blowing Caitlin's mind... Um, I'm so happy! <laughs> You can uh, <laughs> check out all of our podcasts covering all these things. Um, for myself, for Jono, for Abe, for a very excited Caitlin, thank you so much all for listening to yet another episode of Random Encounter, and we'll uh, catch you on the next one. Bye for now. Be seeing you. Meet me on Enoch. I can't speak. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs>